Sherry Boudram, thanks for being here. Hi. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm good. If it's Monday morning, we are connecting with the folks at CanDelta because this is the Ask the Expert segment every week where we get uh, mostly just a lot smarter, which is a pretty good way to start the Monday. Yeah, I hope so. It's good to start the week off strong. <laughs> I think so. I, you are the co-founder and CEO there. Uh, so this is, uh, we're going directly to the top for this question, which I've read it already. Uh, it differentiates the, the uh, legacy market from the now market or the legal market. So uh, you okay if I ask you the question now? Yeah, please do. Good. So uh, what pesticide products are approved for use on cannabis and why? But wait, there's more. At what point in the production process do pesticides need to be tested? And what information needs to be reported to Health Canada if test results show a pesticide uh, level above the accepted limit? Okay. A bunch, of, a bunch to unpack there, but go yeah, to- Yeah, I think there's three questions there. Um, the first one, what pesticides are approved for use in cannabis and why? So currently there are 36 registered pesticides that are approved for use by um, the Pest Management Regulatory Agency, or PMRA. So that department is a regulatory enforcement program that's part of Health Canada. You don't hear about them very often in cannabis. Um, unfortunately, they're, they're very popular in agriculture, um, but they do uh, also communicate with the cannabis program as well. And we're very instrumental in putting together the, the pest uh, active ingredient list. So the list that I'm talking about uh, gets updated periodically. Um, so PMRA has a, a list on their website and it's, it's a very good practice to, to check out their website before you actually apply any registered pesticides to cannabis products. It's a very simple, it's very simple to find, uh, you know, unlike some of the Health Canada's other um, websites, but you just go to their website, they have a product label search, you can filter it so you could search just for, for product information. Um, and then once you click, you can type in the word cannabis, which will fil filter it further and then pull up a list of all the registered pesticides that are approved for use uh, on cannabis. So when you, you see that list, you're able to click on the different products um, and that could pull up the product label. So it has really useful information um, such as, you know, what plants it could be used on and it should say cannabis. Um, it, it usually other list, list also lists other plants as well. It will say information like, you know, what the product can be used for, how it should be applied, um, the number of applications has some precautions as well storage inf information, disposal information. Um, and you'll also notice that the pesticides are, are often for indoor cannabis um, and not outdoor cannabis. So that's a very important part of information to also take note of. Um, and it also has the, the product registration number. That's the registration number that's uh, given to the product under the Pest Control Products Act. So that's how you know that everything is legit and you're authorized to use that pest control product on, on your cannabis. Um, and another useful tip is that PMRA actually has a, an app that you can use on iPhones and on Androids, and you're able to quickly search um, pesticides that are authorized for use on cannabis. So you kind of go through the same steps. You could filter for cannabis and, and pull up a list pretty quickly. That's, on your that's super advanced, no? <laughs> it's very advanced. Yeah. <laughs> And they've had it for a couple of years now. So before the canvas regs came out, they, they've had it for a while. So yeah, very advanced of them. Handy. Good for them. Yeah, totally. 
So uh, I guess for that, so the 36 pesticides are approved for use because they've been, they've been tested, you know, studies have been and data have been submitted to Health Canada um, through, through the PMRA program and, and through the federal pesticide registration application process. So all the information has been vetted and the product itself has been approved for safe use on cannabis. So that's, that's essentially where, how that comes, comes about. And those products are um, reassessed periodically. And some, you'll see some products fall off the list. Some come on, there's always some new ones. I think a couple of months ago, it was only 29 that were on the list and now it's 36. So it, it's good to check often. And, and there's and there's an app for that. And there's an app for that. Yeah. So each. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, because because yeah. I because the second part I want to be sure we get to as well about um, what information needs to be reported and and what happens if it's above the uh, accepted limit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just jump to that. So. Um, so if you have so I guess just to back up a little bit so the. I guess the other part of the question was what, yeah, what point in the production process oh, sorry. Yeah. you tested? Um, so for cultivators, they need to test cannabis plants and cannabis plant seeds that are intended to be cannabis products. So that means that they're going to be finished packaged can cannabis products for sale. So they need to make sure those plants and seeds are tested before sale or distribution or um, being exported. So that's the, the requirement for, cult for cultivators. For processors, they need to ensure that the lot uh, or batch of cannabis meets the requirements before using it um, in further processing steps. So that could be extraction, formulation, packaging, labeling, what, whatever those processing steps are. They need to make sure that if they're buying it from a cultivator, that they're checking the C of A's to make sure that um, there's no pest control products that have been used or that are un unauthorized. And if they are used, that there's nothing that ex equals or exceeds the limit. So Health Canada has a very extensive list of pesticides to be tested. Um, there are 96, and the cultivator can test for those pesticides. Um, but if they haven't tested for it, then it's up to the processor to do the testing to make sure that those um, the incoming product does not have any um, pesticides that have equal or exceeded the limit before they do anything further with it. So that's, that's their responsibility. And this could be whether they're getting from cultivator or from another processor or from, from someone who um, is an industrial hemp license holder. There's a lot of testing before, during, and after. Yeah, yeah. It's not cheap. <laughs> no, I've, I know that. We've talked to some of those testing companies. It's a good business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's important to also know that depending on what your downstream processes are, it also impacts um, the pests. The, the amount of pesticide in the product. So if you're, you know, you're going to be distilling your product, then there's potential that the pesticides, even though it doesn't show up initially in your C of A, that it could potentially get, because it's such a low limit, but it could potentially be concentrated and show up um, in the final distilled product. So that's because, you know, THC and pesticides, most, I mean, many, most of the pesticides have similar boiling points. So when you um, go through the distillation process, they'll come up together and they're actually be concentrated. So you might actually see pesticides. Whereas something like um, if you're isolating CBD, you're, you're going through a crystallization step and the CBD will crystallize out um, in, in a pure form and leave the pesticides behind. So it's important to have knowledgeable staff and, and know when to do, do your testing. Yeah. 
And, and then the final part, I think it's the final part, like what <laughs> happens if it's above the accepted limit within the, right. within the guidelines or regulations? Right. So if, if you, you receive your C of A and the results are equal or exceeds the limit of quantification that's set by Health Canada for the pesticide active ingredients, then you're required to report to Health Canada um, promptly, like right away, um, within, within seven calendar days. So you do have a, a very small window of time to report. Um, you would have to submit information on um, the lots. So of course you're gonna have to provide the, the certificate of analysis showing the test results. Um, and once you submit that to Health Canada, they'll respond right away and say, okay, we need you to go through and conduct in your investigation and go through your, your root cause analysis. So these are steps that health, that the license holders should have built into their um, SOPs already, their standard operating procedures. And, and know that this is a step that they need to undertake. So it's a very normal step in manufacturing if there's, if there's any issues or failures with any of the products that have been released, um, or even if it hasn't been released yet, if there's any failures or deviations, this is some, a normal part of the process. So they will have to do an investigation internally. So that could look like looking at things like their manufacturing and production process, looking at how they store the product, their shipping, um, and they're also going to look at external factors like the third-party analytical testing lab that they use. Was there an issue on their end? Was it something that they calculated wrong? Do they have qualified technicians? Do they use validated methods? So all, all those sorts of things. So with the root cause analysis, Health Canada will want to know information on the, the lots of cannabis. So things like you know the weights, the type of cannabis. They'll look at batch records. They'll want to see the C of A's, the certificates of analysis. They'll want to see information on the quantities, distribution, and suppliers. So they want to see where it's gone, if, if it has gone out to for sale to any of the distribution streams. They'll want to know where that has gone. They'll want information on the procedures, um, whether you're a cultivator or processor. They'll want details of um, the steps that you've gone through to manufacture that particular um, lot or batch. They'll also want to know things like where you're where you're conducting those activities is it in an old greenhouse that used to be something used for i don't know something else in agriculture years ago and there's residues of something do you have a neighbor that's spraying pesticides that you weren't aware of so there's there's kind of a few things you have to look at even your equipment is it something that hasn't have you used uh, equipment that hasn't been cleaned that you know previously you used pesticides and now it's like a compounded issue um is your staff trained um, so there's uh, quite a few things that you'll have to look at when you go through your investigation in Health Canada. You'll compile that into a nice, neat package and submit that to Health Canada for them to review. And, and a, a very another important point is that while this whole investigation is going on, you will need to quarantine all your affected lots and batches. Um, if there's products that have gone out for sale, those will have to you know, be recalled um, and, and those other um, license holders or clients or you know even patients that you've sent it to need to be notified so it is a very it could be a very big issue depending on how far it's gone down the chain you'll have to quarantine the product and they'll have to stay quarantined until health canada says otherwise so it could be not only you know a very large undertaking to go through the investigation but it could also last you know a number of months it's it's a good thing to avoid obviously <laughs> uh, and the best way to avoid it is to sort of follow it along the chain so you know exactly what's about to happen, both in the, the chemistry of it all, but also the agricultural component. Yes, I mean, it's like, yeah. and, and how, how many times has this happened or, or is there any way to know publicly that it has happened? 
Um, yeah, I mean, Health Canada does. So they, they do have a data summary website uh, where they post the results of, usually, well, let me just back up a little bit. They don't, they don't post the publicly the results if someone, if a license holder reports um, results that are equal to or exceeds any of these limits. Mm -hmm. they, that's still, you know, private information. If there is an, an inspection and there's a recall, um, and there's a recall that, you know, it's gone out to a lot of, a lot of the public and they need to be notified, then yeah, there will be some notification that's happening. Um, just for public awareness, but um, Health Canada used to publish inspection data. So if they would go in and inspect a license holder and see that there's an issue with pesticides, they would actually report or, or publish, publish that information online. The last time they published it was in 2018 and they, they haven't updated it since. So maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's been a while. Well, uh, yeah, I, they're giving, they're giving license holders the opportunity to do their investigation and explain and you know, it's, it's, it's not always something that gets out of hand, you know, if it's stopped early enough and, and the license holder's done their due diligence of doing, you know, the right testing and reporting and knows, has a good handle on where all the products have, have been, um, then it could be contained. If it's a larger issue and there's negligence and, you know, things have gone out to the public that, you know, people might have consumed, then, and then obviously more steps need to be put in place. Yeah. I mean, this, I, I was, I wasn't joking at the beginning of this conversation that every Monday we get smarter, but this Monday we absolutely did get smarter. And, and, and I go back, actually, I think it might've been the first uh, Ask the Espergs that we did with you about, um, well, the big differentiation between the, the illicit or legacy market and the market, uh, the legal market. Yeah. And this is, you know, if not the biggest, one of the biggest sort of differentiators is that there was someone looking at what's in your product. Yeah, exactly. So not just pesticides, but there's testing that needs to be done on, you know, microbial limits, other chemical contaminants, residual solvents, heavy metals. So, you know, there's so many things that could go into the product, not always intentionally. You know, if someone's growing it outdoors, soil can often have heavy metals that get up, up taken into the mm -hmm. cannabis plant. And then that's an issue. And, you know, sometimes people don't realize that, but there are, you know, a number of things that can get into the, the plant that goes to sale for, for the public. So yeah, so that's, that is definitely a difference between um, the legacy market and, and the, the regula regulated market. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sherry, as always, we appreciate hearing from the Can Delta team. This was a particularly enlightening one, I think, because it's something that, that I've never sort of dived, dove in, dive mm -hmm. into, uh, but I appreciate uh, the expertise. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for Can Delta's partnership overall. And uh, we look forward to asking an expert next Monday as well. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Sure.